with me this morning is Edward Jones, agent locally here in Monmouth, Mr. Ryan Painter. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Looking forward to a, a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. Good weather? Yeah, I hope so. Kicking off summer. Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I you know live here in Monmouth with my uh, wife, Haley, and our three kids, James, Claire, and Theo. Um, six, three and a half, and one. So we uh, have a busy household, and this nice weather has been a very, very, very welcome, um, you know, surprise. So <laughs> to be able to get outdoors, yes, yeah. yes. So you're like having a vacation, sitting here inside the studio for a few minutes. Yeah, I will say it's it is kind of nice to, that that <laughs> uh, I can kind of be here and and be with you. So yeah, tell us about uh, Edward Jones, uh, just in general, kind of catch us up. You have a show every week with us called Financial Focus. And uh, tell us a little bit about Edward Jones. Yeah. So Edward Jones is a firm. Actually, it's it's perfect timing. We we are celebrating 100 years. So uh, officially established in 1922. So 100 years, uh, Edward Jones has been in business um, as the as the name Edward Jones. And um, we are a, a financial full service financial firm. And uh, we help people um, mostly in the wealth management department, um, financial planning, uh, retirement planning, um, which bleeds into you know, estate planning too, because if, obviously uh, you have to be thinking about sort of the, all aspects of everything. And so, uh, and then we do a little bit of life insurance as well, but um, but mostly, you know, we are in the uh, sort of wealth management business. Okay, take us back for a moment and tell us what you learned through COVID as someone who has to plan and really anticipate, look around a corner and see what the markets might do, this was a, a big curveball. Yeah, I think um, you know nobody could have expected what COVID was going to bring for the last couple of years, and we're still feeling the effects of it. Um, and uh, I think that there were a lot of great lessons learned, though. You know, when, when anything big and unexpected happens, uh, like a COVID, it reminds us all that you know we need to be prepared for any and everything, and uh, not be dependent on um, you know uh, sort of our investments to uh, be the only source of income that we have in that time. Because when investments go down, you know our income might be affected by it, that sort of thing. So we want to have an emergency fund, um, you know, of three to six months expenses typically. And if you have that, that gives you a lot of flexibility to be able to ride through those times and and feel secure. You know, people lost their jobs during COVID. Um, and if you had three to six months expenses in your bank account, you know, you wouldn't be excited that you lost your job, but you would feel a whole lot better than if you didn't. And uh, that was kind of what we saw um, you know, okay. through that pandemic. How about budgeting? I know that's is wealth management. That's one of the fundamental values of being able to guide people on how to actually prepare for their future. Yeah. So again, in a time like COVID or, you know, obviously there's a lot of people worried or concerned that, you know, with this economic slowdown and inflation that we could end up, you know, experiencing some sort of a recession. And um, if we were to go through that, and I'm not predicting that, but if we did go through that, um, you know, you want to make sure that you know where every dollar that you're spending is going. And the best way to do that is to have a budget. Like I said, have those, have that emergency fund established. Um, and between those two things, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen, and but you can be prepared and know, okay, I know exactly 
my situation, what I can control. And at the end of the day, that's all we can do, right? Is we can control what we can control. Um, and if you do that, um, good things will happen. Okay. Ryan, tell us about, we keep hearing the word inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that affecting typically just, you know, multiple different items. But we were talking about groceries, gas, you know, how much it's costing. How does that impact decision making? What's your advice? How does inflation typically come down? How do we get that um, sort of back to normal? Yeah, so going back to the COVID question, I think this is the real meat and potatoes of, of where we are today. Um, you got to think about sort of the overarching narrative. We had a global shutdown, global shutdown. I mean, the whole world stopped basically for three, four months when we were trying to all figure out what the heck is going on here? Um, how bad is this going to be? Um, and then, um, and it was to protect people, obviously. It was what had to happen. So, you know, there's no, people want to get all worked up about politics and what should have happened, what, what shouldn't have happened. But the reality is, uh, in those moments of, of crisis and panic, you know, everybody's trying to assess the situation and do the best they can. And I think at that time, to save lives, we had to shut things down. But that started sort of a ticking time bomb then on the supply chain side. You know, think about the factories shut down, all that stuff. And three, four months of, of production. Um, and by the way, it's not like when they turned the lights back on three, four months later, it just went back to normal, obviously. People were still quarantined. Lots of people were laid off. So even the production that came back wasn't at the level that it was before. And so, again, it just continued to prolong the supply chain problem. And so we, by shutting things down, the whole world, we created a low supply. Um, On top of that, to sort of keep the economy going, um, the government stimulated the economy and and gave everybody a lot of money um, between individual stimulus and the business relief with the PPP loans. and that created demand. So you had high demand that was created. People had money to spend, lots of dollars chasing very few goods. And that is the definition of inflation. The reason that we're just now feeling it towards the end of last year and right now is, you think about it, there was a lot of inventory out there that we used up through 2020 and the early part of 2021. And it wasn't really until that inventory was used and spent that we started feeling the effects of oh, the shelves are now empty. And everything that comes in gets bought right away. Uh And so it sort of separated the relationship between um, the timing of the consumer and the producer. You know, you normally are used to walking into the grocery store and you get exactly what you want and you walk out. Or you order something online and it's at your door in two days. It wasn't until the end of last year we started seeing, man, I, I ordered a a couch or I ordered a this or that and you heard people tell these stories and it's going to take six months to get there. We think about it from an economic perspective, the company still, you still paid the money, they still delivered the product. So there was still a closed loop in business of a relationship. It just took time to get it to you. And in that time, um, that supply and demand gap, um, you know, prices continued to rise because businesses needed the money, um, you know, now to keep people employed. And so that drove prices up. 
their volumes were down, obviously, they couldn't get the supplies fast enough. And this continues to be an issue that we're seeing that's, that's continuing to keep inflation at this level is there's a, still a low supply relative to the demand. And so, um, you know, the way that you get out of that, there's only two ways that you get out of it. You can either bring supply down or you, or sorry, bring supply up, I apologize, or bring demand down and you close that gap. Um, and this does happen naturally over time, but that's a much more painful experience because that natural experience is that eventually prices get so high people can't mm-hmm. you know, afford to buy it. People aren't spending as much. Then the companies have to uh, lay people off to be profitable. And then people you know, can't you know, buy because they don't have a job. And then, and then prices come down because there's just a lower demand. Well, to try to avoid that sort of natural progression, you know, the Fed decided that we're going to raise interest rates because if we raise interest rates, that takes money out of the economy uh, from just regular spending. So they're literally trying to slow the economy. They're telling us this when they say they're going to raise interest rates six, seven times total for the year. They're trying to, to slow the economy in a controlled manner. Um, and the hope, the hopeful idea there is that you do it in a controlled manner and it doesn't wreck the economy. And so we can kind of have this soft landing that you might hear people say. Um, and so you're curbing demand. Unemployment rates are really low. So you're trying to ramp up supply and close that gap. So I don't know where it's going to end as far as uh, when it starts to be reflected. Um, one of the hardest parts about sort of what I do in the, in the stock market is we're always looking back three months. That's mm-hmm. what that's the results you're seeing in the market from a from an earnings standpoint are always the previous three months. They're, they're going to come out with earnings reports and they're going to say, here's what we did last quarter. Um, and here's what we think we're going to do the next quarter. And sort of that relationship between expectations and results is really what makes the market go up and down. Okay. So there's a lot of pessimism right now with the market being down. A lot of people are concerned about that. And so um, the way you get out of it is that the companies keep making the money. Right. How about gasoline prices? Uh, it's hard to think about, you know, was that a supply chain issue too? Is it a supply chain issue? Because this is the, the highest gas prices I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but I've also never seen a pandemic and mm-hmm. so on and so on. So tell us how that gets high. Yeah, so that one's less related to COVID. I mean, it's somewhat related to COVID in the sense that, you know, when the world was shut down, that that made demand almost zero for a while. People weren't traveling. And so that's when we saw gas prices come way, way down. Um, We obviously also, over the last few years, had ramped up production in the United States. And so we were um, a net exporter at one point um, of, of gasoline, and that helped us keep costs down as well. Um, and there's obviously lots of political opinions about all that stuff, but the reality is, you know, um, we didn't produce as much in the last couple of years, uh, during the pandemic, um, and demand went up. And so supply was down that makes the price go up. And so we saw even before this year, the price of gas had gone up somewhere around a dollar, I think a gallon. And so, but then when the Russia-Ukraine war started, um, it just sort of piled on top of that because they were such a large producer in the world. 
globally of, of, of oil and exports. Um, and so that, again, just leaned into the supply issue on the, on the oil side of things. And that's also not helping the inflation, right? Because everything has to be transported. So when gasoline is high, everything is high. I, yeah, you're right. I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah. When gasoline is high, everything's high. There's a new new quote for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about the reaction that we have to the markets? Because the headlines read a certain way. And, mm-hmm. I, I, and you know, it's, it's all about age, too. So if you're younger, the headlines, I remember it didn't bother me as much. But the older I'm getting, um, it's like, whoa, I can't afford another 08 recession. Right. And, you know, because someday you want to retire, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Um, <clears throat> that's where I come back to those principles we talked about at the beginning, that if you have an emergency fund, if you have a plan and somebody that you're working with that can walk you through, these are expected events. This is not a surprise. To anybody that's in our world, it's not a surprise. These things happen all the time. We see uh, market drops um, of 10% almost every single year. The difference is at the end of the year, it finishes positive and nobody ever remembers that there was a drop that year. And so if you go back and look at the history and the intra-year declines, the, the declines that happen within the year, almost every year there's a 10% drop. Almost every other year there's a 15% drop. And about once every six, seven years, there's a correction, which is 20% or more. <clears throat> you know, a bear market, I should say. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so it's not a surprise. We know these things are going to happen. I think it's more of a shock that, you know, it happened during COVID. And so it just happened recently. Uh, but it's also my favorite example because coming out of 2019, it was a really positive year in the stock market. 2020 hit everybody like a ton of bricks. Nobody saw it coming. Market went down from, from the beginning of the year to the end of April. The market was down around 34%. So negative 34%, obviously lots of different uh, COVID relief and and economic sort of uh, packages were presented to try to keep things going. But by the end of 2020, the market was up 16%. So it's a 50% swing from the very, very bottom to where it ended the year. And so this is my lesson to people is you can't panic during times, whatever the cause, there's always a reason not to invest. There's always something that's going to make the market go down, but it comes back up. It always has, it always will. And that's because the relationship, you know, that the market has with the economy is it literally is just a matter of people spending money, Mm -hmm. uh, buying the things that they need or want. The company is profitable. If they're profitable, people want to invest in a profitable business if they buy the stock, it goes up. If they sell the stock, it goes down. So not to be uh, extreme, but you can you can kind of come back to this question that a lot of people laugh when I ask, but I'll say, is it the end of the world? And they'll say, well, no, it's probably not the end of the world. And I'll say, if it's not the end of the world, then it's going to come back because these companies aren't going to go bankrupt. Um, and And they're not. And if they're, if they're not, then it will come back up. People will keep buying McDonald's. They'll keep going to Walmart. They'll keep going to all the places that they need to go. It doesn't mean that Walmart is the exact same amount of profitable every single quarter. There's pressures. You know, prices have gone up. It's hurt their margins. 
But what are they going to do? They're not going to sit there and be unprofitable. They're going to make adjustments to their prices. They'll make adjustments to their employees. You know, that's the unfortunate reality is that if inflation gets bad enough, eventually the companies will have to make adjustments in their expenses and their ex- largest expenses are employees. So then you'll start to see unemployment rates come up, you know, if that is the solution. I hope it's not. I hope that the solution is just we ramp up supply and meet the demand that's mm-hmm. out there uh, versus it happening naturally. Um, but even if it does, it's still going to be the same principle. Right. Edward Jones, agent Ryan Painter here locally with us, uh, talking about the stock market and uh, in general investing. Um, you know, how about you and your colleagues? Do you do you sit around and and say, hey, this crypto thing, is this for real? <laughs> When's this going to stop being you know making the news? So it's funny you ask that because I will say. My views on it have not changed, which I think it's a very, very um, volatile, risky investment. I don't even know if you can call it an investment at this point. It's more of a gamble. Um, so if people have money that they're not afraid to lose and they want to take a gamble, then that's a whole different perspective. But I would look at it the same way as, as going to the casino and ringing you know, the <laughs> thing. I, I'm serious because people wanted to say – oh, it's a hedge against inflation. Well, crypto's down like 50% right now. So how's that hedge working out for you? You know, yeah. you know. Now, I did put my foot in my mouth a few years back to one of my friends because he was wanting to buy, you know, Bitcoin and things. And I think he bought it when it was like 20,000. Now, he didn't have 20,000, but he bought it when it was at that price. So some fraction of a Bitcoin. And, uh, and it immediately went down to 12,000 and like, a couple months time. And then I think he ended up selling it. And then well now it's I think higher than that. So I mean, you can you can make money, but you can lose money too. Sure. And it's a lot it's fundamentally different than buying a company that has profits and has a consistent um, business model that's repeatable and and predictable. Um, Right now, Bitcoin's more of a collectible. It's it's it, it acts more like um, I wouldn't even say it acts like a commodity. It acts more like like a collectible. You know, it's not quite Beanie Babies, but in a way, it's it's based completely on what people are willing to pay for it. Exactly. We were lucky enough to have Professor Mike Connell come in and just give us the basic fundamentals of money. And yeah. uh, to lead us into a cryptocurrency discussion because, you know, it's getting advertised a lot. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, I, a couple things that I think all of our parents said to us, you know, at some time or another, if it's too good to be true, don't mess around and you don't get nothing. Yeah. You know, or, or you don't get something for nothing ever. <laughs> yeah. And, and people always want to tell you their success stories, but never about their failures. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> fishing stories, right? Right. So, you know, your golfing buddies or whoever you talk to that says, oh, I made such so much money on this Bitcoin or penny stocks or whatever. Just know that that one success story, if they have one, is coupled with probably five times or 10 times as many lost stories that they're not telling you about. Like going to the casino? Like going to the casino, 100% <laughs> like going to the casino. Um, and, and so, yeah, you know, I, I try to keep it simple. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. 
companies that have been around 100 years or more or, or even ones that have been around more recently like Amazon and Google, those types of companies, they're not going anywhere. We're not going to stop using their products and services. And there's some amazing opportunity out there right now because of this volatility. And it, some of these are like once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. I mean, I don't know if Amazon, you know, will get to this price again. You know, it's at like 2100 a share. It was 3700 a share last July. Now, it could keep going down. Uh-huh. It could. I don't know where the, where the quote-unquote bottom is for it. Um, but that's the type, that's the idea. And I'm not telling people they need to go buy Amazon. I'm just given an idea that these companies aren't worth, actually worth 30, 40% less than what they were 12 months ago. Their businesses are much bigger and better than that. And so if that's true, things will come back. I don't know when, I don't know what's going to be the first thing that causes the, the rebound. Um, but the principles have always been true, that eventually the market is very honest. It will shake out. The companies will do whatever adjusting they need to do uh, to be profitable. That's the, the security, I guess you could say, in capitalism. There's a lot of people that get you know, worked up about the idea of capitalism. Uh, and there are lots of you know, uh, negatives about it, in, in a sense, in that you know, companies can be dishonest or they can prey on people, all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But by and large, capitalism, um, in its truest sense, is what's gotten our country in such a short amount of time to where it is as the economic superpower of the world. Because it's just this free trade, basically. People want things, they buy it. There's a fair price involved. And that relationship, someone's allowed to produce that product and and they're profitable doing it. You get something, they get something. And that's the relationship that will always be true. It was true when it was people trading and bartering, and it's true now today, just a lot of it's digital, so. Yeah. Okay, Ryan, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. And we'll see you again at Halfway to Freezing for Food next time. Yes, absolutely, that sounds fun. Ryan Painter with us, Edward Jones agent here locally in Monmouth on 1330 WRAM and FM 94.1. It is 52 degrees. Let's join ABC News, already in progress.